Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. So, as a nation, we mourn the passing of His Royal Highness the Duke of Edinburgh, and our prayers and thoughts are with Her Majesty the Queen today. As a family, my husband and myself, my children, we have also mourned the passing of someone dear to us this last week on the evening of Easter Sunday. Um, Todd and I received the phone call that no one ever wants to receive. And his mom was on the phone and said that his dad had been in um, a cycling accident and that he was on life support. And within 24 hours, Todd was on his way. And then within his arrival, within 24 hours of Todd's arrival, his dad passed away this last week. And We just wanted to say thank you to all of you who have supported us so well this last week. A lot of you already know this news. Some of you, this you're just finding out for the first time, and we just wanted to say thank you. We so appreciate the messages, the meals, the support. It's been amazing, um, and it's really meant more to us than than you could possibly know. So, thank you for standing with us in this time. Todd is going to be in the States for at least two more weeks supporting his mom, and then I'm going to fly over with the children in a couple weeks' time for the funeral, and then we'll all return after that. That's the plan. As of now, we just wanted to update you on our family life and where things are at. So we appreciate your prayers and support. They're they're very valued in this time. So, you know, this past week's events in our own own lives um, have actually made the resurrection story come alive to me in a new way. This, this passage that Emma just read to you all, um, it's really stood out to me this week, and I want to share with you some of the things that I've gleaned from it, and I'm hopeful that you will as well today. So, um, you know, last week on Easter Sunday, uh, Todd shared with you the story of the resurrection through the eyes of Mary Magdalene, um, as told in the Gospel of John. And he walked us through the grief and the questions and the unbelief that everyone was facing, um, and then the astounding revelation that he had, in fact, come back from the dead. What a glorious thing. And it all began with Mary Magdalene. She was the first to see Jesus in his resurrected form. And what's fascinating is that John records for us a number of other accounts uh, with people who interacted with Jesus in the time following his resurrection and before his ascension to heaven. And in fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 that there were over five hundred believers that he appeared to. Now, we don't know how long this time period was for. It may have been a few weeks. It may have been a few months. The Bible doesn't make it clear. Uh, But it was long enough for a core group of his followers to encounter the risen Lord and then spread that news. 
Isn't that amazing? And here we are today. <laughs> I find that fascinating. And we know from multiple accounts that he did appear to his disciples numerous times um, throughout this, this chapter in John. Uh, he describes uh, three of his appearances. First to Mary Magdalene on the morning of, of what we call Easter Sunday. Secondly, in that evening to all of his disciples except Thomas who wasn't there. <laughs> and, then the, and then a third time, about um, a week later, to all of his disciples again. Um, and that is actually what we're going to focus on this morning, is that particular account with Thomas. So we're going to pick up in John chapter 20, verse 24. It reads, <clears throat> um, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now, Thomas has, unfortunately, been given quite a bad rap because of this one statement and for the rest of church history has been known as Doubting Thomas. I really feel bad for him. I honestly do. Because I think if I were in that situation, I, that probably would have been me, doubting Lauren, you know. And um, I just, I just, when I read this, I, I, at times I have thought, oh, what a skeptic. He's so, you know, cynical. He wouldn't believe. But I, I read it in a different light now. I, when I read that, I see, I see a heart that is desperate to believe what the disciples have told him. But he also doesn't want to believe a lie. He doesn't want to base his future on a hoax, right? He doesn't want to spread news that isn't true. Uh, he wants to experience it firsthand for himself. Um, and so I think we can all relate to that, can't we? You know, there's this kind of like resiliency inside of us to not be fooled or, or drawn into a, a hoax. We're, we're taught to be suspicious of things in order to protect ourselves. How many of you have received one of those emails, you know, from some, some person in, in a foreign land somewhere claiming to have landed in a bunch of inheritance or a bunch of money, and they just need a bank account in the UK to transfer it, and, and if you're willing to use your bank account, then you'll get some of those profits. Anyone, anyone here receive <laughs> just me? No, a lot of us have received those types of emails, and we're trained to kind of think, this is highly suspicious. <laughs> I am not going to uh, go along with whoever this person is. Um, and so we're, we're trained to be, to, to be on guard. We guard ourselves against being fooled. We guard ourselves against potential embarrassment or, or suffering or disappointment. I kind of think that's what Thomas was doing. <clears throat> and then the text uh, picks up. Excuse me. It says, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Now, earlier, when Jesus had appeared the first time to his disciples on Easter Sunday evening, 
he had suddenly appeared in the middle of the room when they were all behind locked doors. <laughs> they were afraid, afraid of what was going on, afraid of the Jewish leaders. And it's similar to the stunt that Jesus pulled off when he rose from the dead, where he kind of um, passed through his grave wrappings and sort of evaporated. Um, and here he is doing this again. You know, let's just pause for a minute and kind of try to figure out what's going on here, because I really find this fascinating. So if you'll allow me a detour for a moment to kind of just explore what is going on. So what we have here is actually a glimpse of what the Bible refers to as a resurrected body. And it, this, is, this body that Jesus has in this situation is actually a foretaste of what you and I are going to have as well. And um, the older you get, the more exciting that sounds <laughs> to have this resurrected body that's just amazing. And um, if you'll bear with me, because this is, this, this is a little bit weird, but, um, but thankfully the Bible gives us this detail as something that we have to look forward to. So um, in 1 Corinthians 15, we read that we have our natural bodies which return to the earth when we die. Um, but when Jesus comes back at the second coming, uh, those who have already died uh, will be reunited with their resurrected body, just like Jesus did at the resurrection. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 15 for just a minute, verse 22. It says, Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. And it goes on to say, uh, let's see, yeah. It's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They're buried as natural human bodies, but they'll be raised as spiritual bodies. <laughs> For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. So, there we go. Spiritual bodies, resurrected body. And it, one more verse in 2 Corinthians 5 says this. <clears throat> we will have an eternal body made for us. We might not have that verse, that's okay, but I'll just read it. We will have an eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Okay, so long diversion just to say, when we die, we're not meant to be wandering spirits, okay? <laughs> we're meant to have, we're going to be ha having a body, a physical body. And so, but if you just picture it this way, if this body right now that we, that we have is like edition 1.0, you know, when we have our resurrected spiritual body, we're talking about, like, edition 10.0 max, you know, like, ultimate. <laughs> and, um, you know, the thing is, is that our, our bodies here are totally confined to time and space, to the laws of gravity to the, and, and matter. Uh, it's, they're confined to, like, time, the continuum of time as we know it, all human limitations, okay? But Jesus demonstrates for us in his resurrected body um, that, and this is hard to, to even grasp, but that the heavenly realm, the heavenly bodies are even more real than the realm that we're living in now. Like heaven's reality is, is greater and more real than what we're experiencing. What we experience here on the earth is like a shadow 
of what is actually even more real, which is heaven. And, and so Jesus' resurrected body demonstrates that for us. And so it's like he walks through walls, but he's not a ghost, right? The disciples literally touch his flesh. Um, and what's interesting, too, is that he has his wounds. So it's almost as though for all eternity, he's bearing the marks of his sacrifice. So they're touching his flesh. He eats Later on, he eats a fish dinner with them but it's a supernatural body. So I just find that fascinating and something that we have to look forward to. Um, and so all that to say, it's, it's, a, it's an encouragement to see that there's more than what we're experiencing now on the earth. So diversion ended. Thanks for bearing with me. Um, let's go back and pick up again in, in this story. So Jesus suddenly appears in front of his disciples, and what does he say to them? Peace be with you. <laughs> Who wouldn't need that said to, to them in the moment? Peace be with you. I know I would need to hear that. <laughs> um, and, then, and then he says to he says to Thomas, this is like the moment, you know, when Thomas actually gets to interact with him. <clears throat> he says to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Thomas finally gets to see what he's longed to see, and his faith is now made sight. Oh, the the joy and the relief (laughs) that he must have felt in that moment, knowing this is not a hoax, this is real. You know, what a glorious gift that was for him in that moment, and and knowing that what, what his friends told him was actually true. But Jesus carries on and says one more thing to him. Jesus said to him, You believe because you have seen me, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And I know, knowing Jesus, this was said through the eyes of love, okay? He's saying to Thomas, Look, Thomas, You've seen with your own eyes my risen body. You've touched my wounds, and now you're able to believe me more than ever before. And that, that is my gift to you. But there are many coming after you who will not have that same privilege. Centuries of believers, including you and I in this room today, or, or watching on YouTube, who will not have that experience of touching the risen Lord as he did in that moment. So Thomas did get to see and then believe. And sometimes that happens in our lives. We, we hope or pray for something and our prayers are answered. And what a gift. I hope that you've all experienced that in some way. We get to see the fruit of that for which we've hoped. And when that happens, what does it do? It helps to like reinforce our beliefs. It helps to make us feel more secure and confident in our faith and in God. And it's a wonderful thing. But there are times in our lives when we don't get to see, and we still have to believe. Times when what we hoped for or yearned for, prayed for, it doesn't happen and we don't get the evidence of our faith that we had wanted. 
So this past week, we, we were praying, praying for healing over my father-in-law, praying that essentially he'd be raised from the dead. I believe that God is able to do that. I believe that even if he'd passed away, God could still raise him up. I really have full faith that that's possible, and so we prayed to that end that, that he would be raised. It didn't happen. <laughs> I sure wish it did. I sure wish I had 20 or 30 more years with him, but I have to wait. I will see him again. I'm confident of that, but right now we grieve because he's gone from this earth. So sometimes we have to believe before we see or perhaps won't ever see on this side of eternity. And here's what Jesus is saying to us right now in in those moments. This is the main question that I have for you today as well. And this is, will you still believe even when you don't see? Will you still believe? And we don't like this. This is an uncomfortable thing, right? We want our faith to like have this formula of God answers my prayers. God's with me and you know and and so like he wants what's best for me and he wants what's good and you know and and life is good and and so you know he's going to he's going to do what I'm asking. He's going to do what I want, but it doesn't always work that way. Christianity is not a formula and we will all experience things in our lives that confuse us, that cause us to um, take offense at God. Why didn't you step in? Where were you? I don't understand. This isn't like the God I know. And in those moments, we have to make a choice of will we still believe even when we don't see John leaves a sort of a final key in the text that helps to enable us to do that, because that can feel basically impossible. (laughs) But let's look at the text. It says, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book, but these are written so that you, you, (laughs) all of you, me, He wrote these eyewitness accounts because we weren't there, but he wrote them for us. So we would continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And one more thing here, that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. When Jesus says, believe, (laughs) blessed are those who believe, even when they don't see. I mean, this is not a factual, intellectual assertion of his existence. That's not what he's talking about. (laughs) Believing in him means we are fully persuaded about who Jesus is, who he is as the Messiah, who he is as your personal Savior and Lord, how your eternal destiny has been marked by his blood and you are sealed in him forever, no matter what happens in this lifetime. That's what he's talking about when he's saying, believe, believe in me. 
And that word life, you will have life by the power of his name. That word, that word is the word zoe. What it means is a deep, satisfying, abundant life. In fact, it's the same word that John uses earlier in chapter 10 when Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. It's the same word, zoe, deep, abundant, satisfying life. It's a life that is given to us that comes by being infused with the living God that empowers you to live life irregardless of the circumstances that you're facing. This doesn't mean we're not having pain. This doesn't mean there's not grief. This doesn't mean um, there's not misunderstanding or fallout in relationships at times. It doesn't take away the, the pain of our humanity but it means that we can have life. It means that our soul is at rest and well with Jesus himself. We're knit with him. We believe in him, and we find life in him. And so when Jesus says, you're blessed when you believe, even when you don't see, (laughs) like we have to, like we get over the offense of that statement, first of all. And we get knit into the power that he offers us. Jesus knows that there's power in his life. (laughs) Jesus knows that if we can just be connected to his life, we're going to be okay. He knows that as long as we are believing in him and are connected to that life, we are going to be okay. And one day, (laughs) one day, Our faith will be made sight, and all the wrongs are going to be made right, and all our tears are going to be washed away, but it's not all going to be on this side of eternity. So in the meantime, in the meantime, we have the life of Christ available to us, the deep, satisfying, abundant life that comes through connection with Jesus Christ himself. Do you know, and I find this interesting, that church history records that Thomas, our wonderful doubting Thomas, <laughs> Thomas would eventually go on to be a missionary to the areas now known as Iran and India, and that he would be martyred for his faith. Church history records him being stabbed with spears on July 3rd, 72 AD. And I just have to wonder if he was reminded, if like that was like, that was like the most crucial turning point moment in his life when Jesus said, blessed are you when you believe and haven't seen. Because he would then take the gospel to many who would never see Jesus in the way that he did personally. It's amazing. <laughs> he, died for, he died for this truth. He knew it wasn't a lie. He knew it wasn't a hoax, and he, and he gave up his life for it. So church, 
Where is he inviting you to believe him today? Where's the invitation for you in all of this? Because he's always inviting us deeper, isn't he? Let's go a little deeper. Trust me a little more. You know, is today the day that you need to risk moving past your doubts and say yes to him? Maybe for the first time. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and today is your day to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're needing to believe that he can help you through work through anger, that it's possible to work through disappointment or grief to find healing from your past or just from this last year. Goodness, (laughs) the disappointments of this last year. Maybe he's challenging you to believe that that is possible and to take that next step with him and with community. Maybe you need to believe that he'll be with you as you bravely take a step into something new that you feel like, I need to do this, I'm really afraid, I don't know how this is going to turn out, and Jesus is saying, believe, believe me, believe that I'm with you, let's do this together. I don't know. I don't know what your story is. I don't know where you're at right now today, but I do know that he's inviting you to go deeper with him, to believe him. And I just want to encourage you to say yes to whatever he's calling you to today. And it's significant. It's significant. Every yes that we say to Jesus is so significant. It really matters. It really matters. And this time that we're living in, this season of life, this history in humanity, this, uh, that, this time in history that we're living in is, is very pivotal for the church, for you and I. Because I believe that God is about to release a mighty move of his spirit. It's our, it, it is already happening, but in an e- even greater unprecedented way, a, a move of his spirit in the earth, and I want to be a part of it. I want to be ready for that, to, to, to be able to jump in wherever I'm able to, and so he's actually, I just want to paint a picture for you of what's happening right now, and, and you know, COVID aside, pandemic aside, which has been awful anyways, what is God doing? What's God doing? That's where we need to fix our eyes. What is he up to in this hour, in this season? Um, And the fact is, is that he's using, if we are willing, he's using this season to strengthen our faith uh, by revealing to us lovingly the places that are weak, (laughs) the places that need strengthening. And we all have those places. Goodness, so many places in me this last year that I was like, oh, goodness. Like, I thought that I was doing okay in that area. And when all my crutches are taken away, I'm realizing I need, I need to find some more strength in this place or I need to find some more healing. Um, and he allows us to recognize these areas, um, including the areas in our lives. If you've been a Christian for a long time, he is exposing places in us where we have built our faith only around principles, ideas, doctrine, you know, like Christian routines, none of which are bad things, but if your faith is only built on those and you don't have a vibrant relationship with Jesus, the one who has the life, 
then you will flounder. You will not <laughs> make it for the long haul. And he's lovingly allowing us to recognize where, oh, my life has been built on a concept, not on a vibrant connection with the living Christ. So that's really important for us to be aware of in this season. So, you know, Zoe, that deep, abundant, satisfying life, that is the life that's going to sustain you over the long haul, okay? That's the life that, that the life of Christ that allows you to face tomorrow and to have hope when today feels like a hellhole, you know, where you, like some of you have walked through an awful year or an awful couple of years and it's felt like hell and you don't know if there's a way out and Jesus is saying, come on, grab my hand, we're going to get through this together, believe me, grab onto the life that's in me, and I'll give it to you, and you're going to make it, it's going to be okay. That life of Christ that's going to work in us and through us, it's going to enable us to be overcomers, so that you can then help others as well. It's not just about us, it's, I mean, yes, I want you to walk in the fullness that God has for you, but there are many other people around you that God wants to impact. And so the more that you're connected with Christ, the more that you're allowing those weak places to be strengthened, the more you can be a blessing to those that you're working with, living with, surrounded by. We're blessed then to be a blessing to others. Amen? So, band, if you could come up, and we're going to kind of bring our, our, our time to an end. But I want to Take some time this morning um, just to uh, get our hearts right with God. My hope is that um, you've been stirred in some way today to believe in him, to believe in him more. And so some of you are needing to take that first step today of saying, okay, Jesus, I believe in you. Some of you need to take that step of, of inviting Christ into your life for the first time. And if that is you, then I'm going to have a prayer up on the screen um, that I'm just going to read through. There's nothing magical about the prayer, but what it is is an invitation. So let's go ahead and put that up on the screen. Um, so if, if, if this is you wanting to say yes to Jesus for the first time, just pray this with me. Jesus, today I acknowledge my need for you. I recognize that I can never rescue myself, but only you can rescue me. So today I put my hope and faith in you and what you accomplished for me on the cross. I turn from my sin and I surrender my life to you. Fill me with your spirit and help me to follow you all of my days. Amen. If you have prayed that for the first time, all of heaven is rejoicing over your decision. And please, please tell someone, please tell someone and get going on a journey with other people involved. If you don't know anyone to tell, then you can uh, email us. If you're watching online, you can write us a, a note at I've decided at antiochsheffield.org.uk. Just a simple way to communicate with us and we can put you in touch with the pastor. Now, for the rest of us, we're going to take a few moments to kind of what I want to say, do business with God. This is between you and Jesus. 
and you can remain seated. We're going to have the music playing. We'll have a chorus going in a minute that you're welcome to join in with, but you can stay seated, and this is a time of reflection. It's a time of, of just getting your heart right with God. So I just want to encourage you, confess those places in your life to him. Talk to him about the places that are painful or confusing, the worry that you're walking in, and Invite the Holy Spirit to show you if there's a, an area in your life where you've just gone off course a little bit. You need a course correct, okay? Repent. Ask him for forgiveness. Receive his fellowship. Receive his life in return. Let him infuse you with his spirit. So we're just going to pause for a minute, sing through a chorus, and then I'm going to pray for you. invite you, Holy Spirit, shine on our lives right now. Show us the places you're highlighting. saying to some of you today I'm safe I'm a safe place you can trust me there's nothing to fear him into this place. He's going to begin speaking things to your heart that you just didn't even realize were possible. He's going to give you kind of a new script for your life. He's going to write out some things for you and give them, place them in your heart and say, this is the new way. Let's walk in this together now.
So I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll go into this chorus. Jesus, Jesus, we love you. We want to be ones who are connected to your life. We choose today to believe you right now in all of our messes and in all of our glory. Infuse us with your spirit. Let us be connected to the hope that you give and bring. Speak to us the new life that you have for us in this season. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.